If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number four. We have been preaching through the book of Ephesians, and tonight I want to begin reading in verse number seven, and we'll read down through verse number 16. This is dealing with uh, spiritual gifts, and so we want to look at this uh, uh, subject of spiritual gifts tonight. Ephesians chapter four and verse number seven. The Bible says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love here we see the paul is writing and dealing with the subject matter of spiritual gifts spiritual gifts are not new or not unique to ephesians they are also mentioned throughout romans and corinthians but here paul is dealing with the spiritual gifts but as he's looking at this matter of spiritual gifts, it is uh, really, it is not the gifts themselves that Paul is trying to focus on. And so I want to look at what Paul is trying to examine and apply it and look and see what we can learn from this passage of scripture. First, I want to look at the gift that was given. In verse number seven, he says, but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so we find that the Bible says every man was, and every person that is a child of God is given grace and according to the measure of the gift of God. We find it is that Jesus Christ, he is the giver of the gift. The gifts are given by Jesus himself. In verse number eight, it says, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so the first thing about spiritual gifts is this. They come from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the giver of gifts. Matter of fact, he is the giver of all things, is he not? He is the giver of very li our life itself. He is the giver of the breath that we breathe. Uh, he is the giver of all. And spiritual gifts are no different. Gifts are given... <clears throat> by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so 
we might have somewhat talents and abilities, and some people are born with natural raw talent, while others have to work and strive to maybe reach the same level of mastery. And there are different talents that are given, yet these gifts here are not really so much things that are temporal, but they are spiritual matters. And we'll look down in, uh, in the passage of Scripture, verse number 11, we find that the gifts uh, here that were given, they were by, come from Jesus, they are spiritual gifts, or things that obtain or uh, that relate unto spiritual matters. They are heavenly in nature, therefore they can only be given by heaven himself, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the giver of all things. And so we recognize that our gift comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he gives some apostles, some uh, uh, prophets, and some evangelists, uh, meaning they are gifted at... Uh, lending people to Christ, some pastors and teachers, they are shepherds of the flock. And these are things that are gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ. People have often said, preacher, I, I've heard talk to young men before, men who said, I would surrender my life to preach and to follow God, but I just don't have, uh, I don't know, I've never been able to get in front of people. I've never been able to talk to people. And yet, if God has called you, then God has gifted you, he will equip you. And you'll find that as you begin to exercise that gift, that the Holy Spirit quickly develops it in your life. And so we find here that there, the gift is given from Jesus Christ. But I want to look here at the, next, uh, the beginning of this verse, and we see that what is this gift? And we have gifts of ministry, but the gift itself is, verse number 7 says, but to everyone is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. What is the gift that is given? The true gift that is given is this. It is the grace of God. That is the gift that God and Jesus Christ truly offers. The word grace means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, and loveliness. It is that which says we find favor or, or favor that is given. Look me down in verse number 9. Look at me here. The Bible says, Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first unto the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. And so the Bible says that Christ ascended from the depths to the highest parts, that he might give or feel all things. Christ designed and his plan and his desire as that he might feel all things, that he might give all things his grace. You know, the Bible says as much that Jesus Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In John 3, 16, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we find that the gift is given is that of favoring God literally and Jesus gave his life his life is the grace that was bestowed upon you and I and so the gift that is given the gift that we should glory in is not in the gifts of talents or abilities but our praise and our glory should be in this that a holy righteous God looked down from heaven in his glory and righteousness
Jesus and looked down upon sinful men and women just like you and I and in his loving kindness displayed himself and gave himself a ransom that he might look down upon us and with joy and pleasure and that we might know the joy and pleasure of Jesus Christ even though sin had separated us from the Father. This is the true spiritual gift. It is the gift of life and hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, His grace is our gift. That is the greatest spiritual gift that we can partake of. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It is the grace of God that is the gift that was given. And too often we like to get sidetracked. We want to focus on the ministries of the gift, how we can use that as, as teachers or preachers. And God does empower us to these things. But these are avenues with which we can give our gifts and serve. But the true gift is Jesus Christ himself. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That gift that we receive, that true spiritual gift is eternal life because of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. We see the gift that was given. Then I want to see the purpose of the gift. There is the gift that was given of salvation, but apart from... Uh, on top of our salvation, God also does equip us. He gives us gifts that equip us for ministry. And so we find what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts of ministry that, and that's what is dealing with here in Ephesians chapter 4. It's gifts of ministry uh, that God gives to those who are saved so that we might minister to others. And that's what these gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists all consist of. What is the purpose of that? The Bible says in verse uh, number 12, uh, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the perfecting of the saints or for the equipping of the saints. And so the purpose of these spiritual gifts is that the, the saints of God might be equipped, might be thoroughly furnished to, to present the work of God and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. The purpose of spiritual gifts are not to say, look at me, look how good I have been blessed, or to say, look at me, look what I can do. God has given these abilities. Let me display my gifts to you. That is not the purpose of spiritual gifts. God has equipped us so that we might in return help equip other saints that together we can go forward and, and progress and march forward the kingdom of heaven. The purpose of gift is for the equipping or the, for the perfecting of the saints, the Bible says, for the work of the ministry. And so God has given uh, spiritual gifts so that the church can be who God has called us to be. I'm going to say this this evening, and that I believe this to be true beyond all measure, is that right here at North Etowah Baptist Church, at this very moment, God has given our church the gifts that we need to do the ministry at this time and at this moment. We're constantly 
Jonathan, we're talking about it, and you know we're talking. We need more workers. We would like to do this, but we need somebody to volunteer. We need to get somebody to help and take over this ministry. I believe with all my heart that God already has who we need at the moment. God has given us these gifts. The gifts have been given. The problem is, is that some of us are not using our gifts as God has given them to us. We've become sidetracked. We've become distracted. Our priorities have been laid aside and, and set aside. And God desires to, for us, he has gifted us so that we may equip the saints of God. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. But the truth of the matter is, if we will do our part, God has this church put together for a purpose and a reason. The purpose of our gifts is for the equipping of the saints, but also for the edification of the church. The Bible says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, which is the church itself. It says, verse number 13, to we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the statures of the fullness of Christ. The edification of the church are this. First off, for the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith. I've been preaching for a month or so, and it seems like every couple of sermons, the Lord's had me preach on unity for some reason, and God knows what he's doing, but I believe, do you think God might be trying to tell us something this evening? God's trying to tell us we're going to have to get together, we're going to have to begin working together as a unified body of Christ, and, and I'm going somewhere with this in just a minute, if you'll bear with me. God has given us gifts, and when we recognize and use our gifts together, it is for a unity of faith. Not only that, the Bible says, second of all, and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would have knowledge of Jesus. The Bible has given us gifts so that we would teach others that they may know who Jesus Christ is. Sunday school teachers, discipleship workers, uh, those evangelists who would go out and knock on doors. God has given us these gifts so that we may tell others about Christ that they too may know him. There's not a person here who is saved, who is born again, who is not here because somebody told you about Christ. Somebody invested in my life. Somebody shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. And just as I rejoice that they shared the gospel with me, it is also your duty and my duty to in turn take and share the gospel with others. Knowledge of God. The Bible says, unto a perfect man. And so we see that the purpose of this also is perfection. Now we understand that we will not be perfected in this life, and we will be perfected in the life to come, but we should strive for perfection, that God himself, that Jesus Christ would be magnified and glorified through our life. The Bible says, goes on to continue and say, uh, that uh, under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And so it's not that we are going to be perfect in ourselves, but rather that the fullness of Christ would be exemplified in and through our lives. The fullness of Christ in us. Is Jesus Christ being glorified and magnified in our lives? Well, Verse number 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, 
even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The purpose of these spiritual gifts is that the church might be edified, that the saints might be equipped. But how does this become accomplished? It, come, it is accomplished by the body working together in unity with Christ at the head. The Bible says that he is the head, even Christ. Christ is the head of the church, and uh, we must recognize and always remember that it is he that is in charge. It's he, not we. It's the word of God, not the word of the preacher. It is the truth of God's infallible word that God has ordained from the beginning of time, and not the deacons. Christ is the head of the church. He's it and him alone. We're servants. As a pastor, I am the under-shepherd, but Christ is the head. There is no mistake about that. Too many times the church gets out of order, we get out of functionality in our mind and our hearts, and we begin to think that we run the show. And we may run the show, but when we run the show, Christ is not glorified. If we are to be a church that is working effectively for the cause of Christ, then we must always recognize and remember that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is our leader. He is our foundation. He is our direction. And he is our hope. Both for the church and for my own life, Jesus Christ must be the head of all things. And when we get to a place in our life where, as a church, we begin to think that it's our way, our, our thoughts, our, our desires that are in control, then we have missed what it means to be a church of Jesus Christ. And the same can be said of our personal lives. When we begin to think that we are in charge of our lives, God will say, all right, then you go and do your own way. But the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And when we hold on to the reins of our life, we'll find out that we're not as good at driving as we thought we were. Jesus Christ is the head. He should be the head of our hearts the head of our home, the head of our hope. Is Jesus the head of all things in your life? Christ is the head. We should live for his pleasure, for his desire, according to his will. Not only is Christ the head for the body to work together, we must recognize who's at the top. But furthermore, look at me here in verse number 16. The Bible says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. We must work together in perfect unity. We must work together. 
The, the church has to come to a place. Every church must come to a place where we make a decision. Are we willing to be fitted together, uh, joints fitted together in unity, working, the Bible says? Is that who we are? Fitly joined together. That means in smooth operating capacity. A joint that's fitly, easy to move, freely bends, willing to adjust without friction. Not saying I'll move, but I'm going to grind and halt the whole way, let everybody know that I'm, I'm bending, but I don't want to. You ever had a joint like that? <laughs> Some of you know what it's like to have a joint that don't want to cooperate. I wonder if that's the way the church is sometimes. We'll, we'll move. We'll bend. But we're going to flare up and let the body know we don't like it. That's not what God's desiring, is it? The Bible says, fitly joined together which every joint supplieth. I said earlier that I believe God has the needs for our church within our church and I truly believe that the problem is we've got in many churches many churches have their arm in a sling their foot in a cast and been over on crutches just trying to survive. I don't know about you, but I don't want our church to be a church that just barely gets by. I don't want to be a church that just functions enough to keep moving, but not really making any progress. I don't want to be a church that just we're together just enough that we have some mobility. We're not completely in a wheelchair. We're not bedridden. We have a little mobility, but we're not really winning any races. We must finish the fight. We must finish our course. We must keep the faith as Paul did. And to finish our course, we must be a body fitted together in unity and harmony that we can move the gospel of Jesus Christ together. It's important. Our world, our community, Etowah, McMinn County, they're dying and going to hell. And who will tell them? In the last two weeks, I've preached two funerals for individuals who had no church, no pastor. And as far as I know, did not know Christ. I've tried to preach a funeral and proclaim the grace of God to a family that many did not know Jesus. But why wait until their funeral when it's too late? We must reach them before the grave. We must reach before the casket. We must reach while there's still hope. There's a need. 
will we do our part? A body joined together. We must work together in perfect unity. Well, say, Pastor, if we do all this, what's the point? What does it accomplish? What are the results? Look at me in verse number 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you. I'm sorry, verse number 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measures of every part, maketh increase of the body. Maketh increase of the body. The Bible says when we are spirit-filled, when we are using our talents, our gifts, our resources, we're using them for Christ and we are going forward with the gospel, we are working together in unity, the Bible says the body's going to grow. The body's going to grow. The increase of the body. I may not be able to tell you how to run a marathon, but I can tell you tonight how to increase the body. <laughs> the increase of the body. I don't want to physically increase the body anymore. But spiritually in our church, I want to see some increase of the body. How do we do that? We work together in unity. That's it. The Bible's pretty clear about it. He said, maketh increase of the body. The effect, what does it? The effectual working, the measure of every part. When we work, when we work together. When every one of us be, say, Lord, what is your gift in my life? God, what do you want me to do with this church? Lord, what is my part? What is my ministry? God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to do all that I can for your honor and your glory. And we're willing to bend. We're willing to work together, whatever it takes. The Bible says the body's going to increase. It, it, can God lie? God says if you do it, you're going to increase. So if we're not increasing, what does that tell us? It tells us that we're not doing what God has told us to do. We've dropped the ball. We're not evangelizing. We're not discipling. We're not teaching. We're not preaching. We are not doing the things that God has called us to do. And when we do it together, the Bible says the body will increase. I keep hearing that we want to grow. I'm grateful for that. I want to see the body increase. Spiritually, numerically, I want to see our church increase. But if we're going to see it, It'll be because the Lord did it through us as we work together. There's growth. And then lastly, it says, watch this. It says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's growth, but the church is edified in love. We'll love one another. We'll love. We'll Love it, edify itself in love. 
Now, we're going to have love towards the outside. We're going to love sinners. We're going to love the lost. But the Bible says you're going to edify yourself in love. We're going to love each other. We're going to love one another. And the more we begin to work together, the more we begin to love each other. We begin to recognize other people's abilities and talents that God has upon their life. And we begin to see our neighbor and we begin to forget about all the, the, the things that we have uh, that we disagree on. And we find unity and we find commonality in the ministry and the work of God. And we begin to love one another. And the more we love one another, the more those that come in say, I want to be a part of that. And the church begins to grow. It's a cycle. And once you get out of the cycle, the cycle goes the other direction. And it'll just go down, dwindle, dwindle, dwindle till there's nothing left. If you leave it long enough, it'll, it'll just die out. But if we can work together in love, then God begins to add. We begin to love. And the cycle goes the other direction. And that's where we need to be. Spiritual gifts. That which is... The gift that we must focus on, that we must glory in, is Jesus Christ. Weren't you glad for Christ and his love? Amen. I know I am. And then we must work together. Join together in perfect harmony. I'm not saying we always disagree. There's never a problem. Uh, boy, there's always issues, but you know what? We say, listen, we're not going to allow our grievances and our problems to define us. We're going to allow Jesus Christ to do that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, you know our hearts. God, I pray that if there's one here tonight, Lord, that you are speaking to, Lord, may you, Lord, work in their heart. God, I pray, Lord, that you might help us to continue to grow in love and heart with one another. God, I'm so thankful for a church at North Etowah, Lord, that loves you, Lord, and loves each other. God, I thank you for, Lord, the, Lord, the good testimony of the report. Lord, I think of just uh, Friday night, our, uh, our fifth quarter, and Lord, how there were so many that showed up, and Lord, and have for the last month, and Lord, work together to send the gospel to the, our young people. Lord, I thank you for that. But God, may you continue to unite our hearts together in love that, Lord, we might continue to move forward. Lord, would you add to this church such as you believe should be added. Lord, I pray that, God, you might... Lord, begin to work in our community in the lost. Lord, my, my heart is grieved tonight that it seems like it's been some time since there was salvation, salvation since the baptistry was filled. Lord, if we are a church that's going to grow, Lord, we're going to have to, that has to change. God, I ask, Lord, may you begin to work in our hearts. God, that we may take the gospel forward. 
Lord, may you begin to use this church to be a beacon of hope to a lost and dying world. God, that they may know Jesus, Lord, your Son, and him crucified and resurrected. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Christ whom I pray.